Welcome to Equus Farm Calls, where we take horse owners along with us to discuss important topics on equine health and care with industry experts. Today, we're talking to Dr. Allison Gardner about equine physical exams. Equus Farm Calls podcast is brought to you in 2022 by Farm, the makers of Weight Builder Equine Weight Supplement. Horses with a high caloric demand can be hard to keep weight on. When your horse needs help maintaining weight, Incorporating fat into his diet can safely add calories without the risk of digestive upset. Weight Builder Equine Weight Supplement contains 50% fat with no sugar added to help maintain optimal weight and body condition. One daily scoop provides high-fat calories rich in omega-3 fatty acids to promote a healthy skin and glossy coat and deliver a calming energy for performance. Ideal for performance horses, mature horses, underweight horses, and seniors. I'm Kim Brown, group publisher of the Equine Health Network. Dr. Gardner is a DVM and a diplomate in the American College of Veterinary Surgeons, Large Animal, and a diplomate in the American College of Veterinary Emergency and Critical Care, Large Animal. She's an assistant professor in clinical equine surgery, Department of Clinical Science, at The Ohio State University. Thank you for joining us again, Dr. Gardner, on Equus Farm Calls. I'm excited to talk about equine physical exams today. Hey, Kim, I'm so excited to be back. And, you know, I realized over the last couple of podcasts you and I had done, we talked around physical exams that owners could do with colic and lacerations, but we didn't really get into the nitty gritty of what a physical exam entails and what owners can do to better um, give a history to their, their vets when they call them on the phone. And that is a really good point. So why? I'm going to start with the why. Why should horse owners know how to do a physical exam? Yeah, so, so even in my veterinary students, I tell them really the best thing you can do to assess how sick a horse is is the physical exam. All my vet students, they want to jump to the fancy diagnostics, the blood work, the ultrasound, the exam per rectum, if it's a colic. And and really knowing a good physical, how to do a good physical exam and assess the temperament of the horse is just the foundation of how sick that horse is. And that's found both in, in practice and then also in the literature. Um, there's a couple parameters we'll go over that really time and time again tell you how sick a horse is. Okay, well, let's start with the basics. TPR, temperature, pulse, respiration. How do we do that? How do you learn to do that? And what should it be? Yeah, so so TPR is the foundation of a physical exam. There's other parts to a physical exam we'll go into, but I'll go over the normals for an adult horse. So the temperature, that's a rectal temperature. If you um, if you take your dog to the vet, you might see some, some vets take the temperature in the axillary region or the elbow region. Unfortunately, that doesn't work for horses very well. It's a rectal temperature um, is really the only reliable one. So to do a rectal temperature, it's the same thermometers that you buy at your pharmacy, just make sure you keep the farm thermometers separate from the house thermometers. Um, and, and I think the first couple times you're taking your horse's temp, have somebody else hold the head. Most horses are just fine with taking a rectal temp, but you're behind the horse doing something uh, particularly um, 
uh, not com- particularly comfortable for them. So uh, a rectal temp on a normal adult horse is 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit to 101.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Over 101.5 degrees Fahrenheit is considered a fever. If your horse's temp is less than 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit, but he's otherwise acting fairly normally, then probably what's happened is um, you've either got what we call pneumorectum, which is a fancy term for fart in the the rectum, which might be decreasing the temp, or you're in a fecal ball back there. So I worry a lot more about temps over 101.5 degrees Fahrenheit. If you're doing an exam on a neonate, so less than, than four weeks old, really they don't thermoregulate quite as well. So we say anything above 102.5 degrees Fahrenheit is a fever in those guys. Okay. So and the, oops, sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead. So the, the next thing to assess is really, I think it's, it's tempon and pulse are the things that I tell owners to take the most. And, and heart rate is the one in colic that's the most important. It kind of shows you how sick your horse is. So there's a couple of ways to take the pulse or the heart rate of, of a horse. They're, they're slightly different, but, um, but you can take the pulse by feeling the artery underneath the jaw, or you can take the heart rate by putting your hand just behind your horse's left elbow. Um, horses with a higher body condition score, you may not be able to feel the heart rate as well. Um, there's a couple of really cheap stethoscopes you can buy online in the $20 to $30 range that will help with that. There's no need to buy the fancy, you know, $150, $160 stethoscope if all you're doing is, is a sculpting for a heart rate. But a normal heart rate for a horse should be somewhere between uh, 28 and 48 beats per minute. A younger, more high-strung horse might have a normal heart rate in the 40s. An older, really, um, really calm campaigner might have a heart rate that's normally in the 30s. So just because your your horse's heart rate is 48 doesn't mean it's not mildly affected by something. Um, I really worry about uh, pain if the heart rate's in the 48 to 60 range. I, I start to worry about things like severe dehydration or cardiovascular compromise when the heart rate's above 60. I would say a horse with a heart rate above 60, unless you just brought him in from the pasture when he was out at a full gallop, is something that's that's concerning that you should call your vet about. A good point. And how about respiration? Yeah, respiration, um, there's a pretty wide range in normal for respiration, anywhere between eight and in a relaxed horse really 24 um, but they can go up from that if they're brought into a dusty barn or if they've been active i think just as important as the respiratory rate is the effort that your horse is making so if you see a strong abdominal component to the respiratory rate it could indicate that they're uncomfortable or they're having something like an, an asthma or recurrent airway obstruction, a heaves crisis. So a lot of assessing your horse's respiratory status is their effort as well. And, and your vet may ask you that, like how, 
how does he look when he's breathing? Yeah. And and you'll be able to know if if your if your horse is breathing harder. Okay, that's a good good one. And that's usually what your vet wants to know is breaths per minute. And you can take it for fifteen seconds and then multiply by four. Is that still acceptable? You got it. Yep. And same okay. thing with heart rate. You don't have to listen for a whole minute. Okay. Um. So let's talk a little bit about maybe some other things that horse owners might want to know or their veterinarians might ask them about, like digital pulse. That was always a hard one for me to learn. It is really hard because um, we talked about pulse as far as most of the time pulse correlates to heart rate, but strength of pulse matters as well. And and so a horse that has is has high sympathetic tone, high fight or flight response will have a stronger pulse you'll be able to feel that on the pulse on their jaw and the the tough thing with digital pulses is if they're in a high sympathetic tone then you'll feel more digital pulses as well however two of the main foot emergencies we see in horses laminitis and foot abscesses result in uh, increased digital pulses so for foot abscess if one leg has a much higher digital pulse, the foot is hot and the horse is lame on just that one leg, then I'd be suspicious of something in the foot like a foot abscess. So you can always compare one foot to the other as far as digital pulses. Easiest place to feel a digital pulse is on the back of the fetlock region. There's two little bones on the back of the the fetlock called the sesamoids. if you've ever seen a radiograph of of a horse and the neurovascular bundle where you can feel the pulse runs on either side of the, those sesamoids. And that's a, a Googleable image if you want to see what I'm, I'm talking about. For laminitis, you can also compare um, pulses, but usually laminitis affects um, two front feet or all four feet. So um, if the front feet pulses are higher than the back feet, I'd worry about laminitis or if those pulses in all four feet are more palpable than that artery pulse underneath the jaw, then I would say those are what we call bounding digital pulses too. There's a higher pulse than there should be in the in the digital pulses relative to the blood pressure in the rest of the horse, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, especially with someone who's had a laminitic horse. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's a you get pretty good at it, but from from going from I can't find them to yep. That one's still bounding or that one's down or it's better than yesterday or whatever. It's uh, yeah, you get pretty good at it if you're taking them quite often. Indeed. And and you got to correlate it to the clinical signs of of your horse. If it looks like your horse's feet hurt, if they're kind of mincing their steps and you're feeling increased pulses, that all goes together in the, the catalog of physical exam findings. Yeah. And good things to let your your vet know when you call. Well, the horse seems to be lame and it has a higher digital pulse in its right front. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that can really help your veterinarian determine, you know, the where the issue might be and what it might be. Mm-hmm. But let's let's talk a little bit about more while we're on lameness, lameness. I mean, lameness is hard. Even veterinarians sometimes have a, a an issue trying to figure out. Where is the lameness? But there are lameness grades, a general lameness grade. Can you explain those to us? Yeah, there's a lot of grading systems out there, but most equine vets will at least know of the American Association of Equine Practitioners, the 
AAEP lameness grades. And Kim, you're right, lameness is really hard. I'll go through the grades, but I gotta admit, grades one and two, I'm not a lameness vet, I refer those to somebody else. Um, so it's it's always easier for me to go at the most lame horse. And in horses, we grade lameness based on, on the limb. Um, so a grade five lameness is when the horse doesn't wanna put any weight on a particular limb. So if a horse is grade five left front, they won't want to put weight on that left front. They might they might put the toe down every once in a while, but they won't want to put the heel down. That is an emergency. Horses cannot bear weight on three legs without bearing weight on the fourth for very long, or they develop things like supporting limb laminitis. So you've got a horse with a grade five lameness, that warrants an emergency call to your vet. Grade four is when they're lame at the walk. That may or may not be an emergency. It depends on if you think that that horse can, can bear weight evenly when it's in the stall at rest, but that should probably be seen pretty quickly, either on emergency or um, urgently during your vet's normal business hours. Grade three is when they're, they're fairly sound at the walk, but then they're lame at a trot. That's a very common lameness. Um, probably one of the co most common that, that vets work up. That's something you can schedule with your regular veterinarian. Grade two is lame at the trot under special circumstances. So say your horse is lame when you pull his shoes, but he's sound with a type of shoe, or he's lame going in a left circle, but he's, lame, but he's sound um, at the straightaway. And then grade one, those are those are our high-performing athletes. Those are the horses that are lame at a trot intermittently at special circumstances. So your horse takes one lame step in the circle um, to the left, things like that. Those are the ones that, that are, are really good lameness vets are, are working up. Um, they're, they're certainly not something that, that we're seeing on emergency very often as a primary. That's a, that's a good point. And, um, I know that a lot of times I will even, you know, tell one of my friends, oh, I'm a I'm a grade two today. And they just look at me funny if they're not if they're horse people, they get it. It's like, yeah, I, I, I got it. You know, I'm like that. Take a little beauty. You'll be fine. But, you know, just a joke. Um, no, I don't agree. <laughs> let's, let's go to a more systemic. So capillary refill time. What is it? How do you use it? And when is it important to look at that on your horse? Yeah, so that's a really good question because we talked about heart rate, which is kind of a measurement of the the macro circulation. So that's that's the the pump that pumps blood to all of the vessels through the vessels of the body. Capillary refill time is a way to assess the microcirculation or the blood delivery and oxygen delivery to tissues. So a normal horse has pale pink mucous membranes. They're a little paler than your dog and cat, um, but they shouldn't be white at all. They should be a pale pink. And when you press your finger on it, essentially what you're doing is you're stopping blood flow within those small capillaries, the very small blood vessels. And then when you release your finger, those should refill in about two to three seconds, meaning the blood from the greater vessels is entering the smaller vessels at an acceptable rate. So the, the issues we run into are if your horse's 
mucous membranes are white, then either they're they're losing blood or blood's not being delivered to those micro vessels. It can happen in severe dehydration. It can happen when horses um, are shocky, certain types of shock. The other mucous membrane color we really worry about are bright red or purple. And those are other signs of, of shock based on the abnormalities in, in blood pressure secondary to, to, to shock like infectious disease, colitis, some types of colics. So, so yeah, brick red, purple mucous membranes or white mucous membranes are reasons to call your vet. And usually an increased capillary refill time or those vessels take too long to refill is associated with the, one of those abnormalities in mucous membrane color. Okay, so that is something we we really should look at and know how to take because that, if, especially if you think your horse might be colicky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's one other mucous membrane parameter and that's the, the texture or the character of them. You want them to be moist and slimy. That means the horse is hydrated enough to be able to produce a, the saliva to make them moist and slimy. If they're tacky, if your finger kind of sticks to them when when you're taking a capillary refill time, that may mean your horse is dehydrated. Um, another way to to assess hydration um, or or help help assess hydration is heart rate. Heart rate increases in pain, but it also increases in dehydration just because that heart is trying to increase uh, the the blood to the tissues because you don't have enough stroke volume. And I've, I've occasionally seen, especially if I'm at a, an event, a, the three-day in Kentucky or something, and the vets are and the grooms are always going out and doing the pinch test on mm-hmm. their neck. So explain what does that tell you about dehydration? Yeah, so the pinch test can be useful. Horses, as they age, do lose some of the elastic quality of their skin. So an older horse may not have that that snapback of skin, even if they're well hydrated. But it it shows how hydrated this the skin is. Um, uh, another way to assess for hydration that I find also useful is jugular refill. So the pinch test along with holding off the jugular, seeing if it fills within about seven to eight seconds, other ways of assessing hydration. Although I don't think they're quite as sensitive as that capillary refill time and looking at the character of mucous membranes. Are there other tools that horse owners need to do a physical exam and and maybe compare that to what a vet might have in their toolbox to be able to assess a horse during a physical exam. Yeah, I think the the I think most barns should should probably invest in one of those cheap stethoscopes just to be able to hear the heart rate um, well. It also helps assess gut sounds too. Um, those cheap stethoscopes will um, if you put the stethoscope on the flank regions. Um, of the horse, we talk about GI quadrants and uh, the the top quadrant, the bottom quadrant on either side to be able to report on gut sounds. Um, and then a, a thermometer. Those are really the things that that you need to do a good physical exam on a horse. The rest of your tools 
are going to be associated with how well you know your horse. And a lot of times I will ask owners this when we're working up a horse together. Is this your horse's normal attitude? Um, a, an old campaigner might be really quiet and just hang around with airplane ears. That might be them. Or we took in a barrel horse this weekend and she was that quiet. And the owner said, if she's not bite, trying to bite you, that's not her. You know, it's it's really I, I often go back to the client and say, is this your horse's normal? And then also knowing horses. Uh, um other problems that, that may not be what we say acute, um, they may be more chronic. So Kim, you mentioned sometimes you're a grade two lame, so am I. Some, some horses are just grade two lame. Maybe they've got, they've got a, um, some, some hock arthritis, some, uh, some bone spavin that's just, just flares up every once in a while when they've been a, in a stall for too long. Knowing those normals and being able to communicate with that with your vet, are, are important because what your vet is going to try to do, especially on an emergency, is hone down to what we call the primary problem. What is causing your horse to be this sick right now versus what's your horse's regular daytime issues? And something that, that you and I, Dr. Gardner, had talked about before we even started the podcast is you might not be able to get your regular vet out for an emergency. So you may be the one trying to relate some of the history of this horse to someone you have that's never seen your horse before. You know, I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. Equimanagement and Equus have been amazing partners in getting the word out that there's just not as many equine vets as there used to be. Um, and, and we're pretty busy. Um, all the equine vets work that I know work really hard, but a lot of them have three or four emergencies to get to. And their job is to what we call triage these patients. So triage is deciding which case is the most emergent and going to that case first. So that's why if your horse is, is I think I'll mention colic because it's what we see a lot of, but if your horse is colicky, laying down, rolling some of those um, moderate signs of colic that we talked about in a previous podcast, your vet's going to ask what the heart rate is, and um, and a, a higher heart rate means a more more severe issue. Right, and then if someone else calls and their horse is down, not moving, and has you know brick or purple gums, I'd go to that horse first. That one yeah. sounds pretty darn sick, or it may be serious enough that your regular vet just says. I think you should trailer into a referral hospital. Those brick red mucous membranes probably need some IV fluids. Yeah, that's, and that's a, a good point. And a lot of times that is the answer these days is you have to take the horse to the vet yeah. because they are so busy. It is really hard. At least you can get some things started. They have techs in there who could, you know, talk to the vet, get some fluids started, you know, do a more thorough assessment even before the veterinarian can even be there for the horse. So. I mean, it's if you don't have a truck and trailer, you need to know how you're going to get your horse transported. You have you have put that into my head. <laughs> well, I hate to get on my soapboxes, um, but I think it's important. And and if your horse is really truly sick, it's it's nice to be at a referral hospital because we we have that team of people. Um, but but yeah, I I think a, a lot of vets that are out in the community want to help 
horses as much as they can and, and having owners that are educated about their horses, normal physical exams and what they do when they get sick is going to help them decide which, which case to get to first. Yeah. And that's, that's good. And having this information that Dr. Gardner talked about today and having it at hand before you call your vet and having written down your notes, because I know sometimes if, if my horse is sick, if something's going on, I get a little excitable. And I may not remember everything. So I've I've taken it, even if it's just doing a, a voice to text memo on my phone, you can just Siri take a note sort of thing. And you can just, you don't even have to have a pencil and paper anymore, just your phone. And then you have those at hand. So if the vet goes, so, and what was the respiratory rate again? And you go, uh, uh, oh, it's, it's here it is. You know. So just my little tip from being on the owner's end of being a little excitable when my horse is sick. <laughs> Yeah, we all get that way when our own animals are sick. And I know exactly what you mean. I have um, when my pets have been dewormed last, when they've been vaccinated last in my calendar, because I can't remember when my veterinarians are asking to, because I don't do the, the work on my own my own pets. I get the way you do, Kim. So. Yeah. so is there anything else that you would like to discuss on equine physical exams for horse owners? Let me see. Yeah, I think I, I just said it in passing because you reminded me of it, but but also keeping your horse's records of vaccination status, deworming status. It's it's may not it may not be part of the normal physical exam, but it's part of the history which which kind of merges together. Um and then the the last things that, that are part of the history, part of the physical exam as well are eating habits. And then um, never thought I'd care as much about poop as I as I did until I got in this career. But a lot of the questions are going to center around, is this your horse's normal manure um, consistency and quantity? Well, and on that poopy note, we'll call <laughs> an, an end to this one. And thank you, as always, Dr. Gardner. We, we love having you join us on Equus Farm Calls. Well, I appreciate it, too. I really like Equus and and what they do for our equine community, both on the veterinary front and the horse owner front. And we want to thank our audience for joining us today. And you can go back and listen to any podcast from this Equus Farm Calls. And you can even go back and find Dr. Gardner's previous one. So make sure you go listen, tell your friends. And if you have suggestions or comments, feel free to contact me at kbrown, that's the letter K brown, at equinenetwork.com. And we appreciate our Equus Farm Calls sponsor, Farnham, for helping us bring all this great information. Equus Farm Calls is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC.